0: Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, I'll be joined by a dear friend that I've known for many years. A man who traded seeds from Essex to East Germany, back when you paid people in cement. It's Anthony Andrews. My thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast and to Charlie Jones, my producer. Thanks, Charlie. Our congratulations this week to Ellswick Village up in Lancashire. Uh, They've been awarded Champion of Champions in the 53rd Britain in Bloom competition, dubbed the Village of Flowers. They've won the top prize in the UK-wide competition, and the report says with stunning front gardens and business premises. So thanks everybody at Ellswick for bringing some colour and excitement into people's lives. I was interested too to read that Planters Garden Centre opened their pumpkin paddock recently with story time for children, broomstick flying, I've no idea what broomstick flying is, and pumpkin carving. A great success, apparently, they sold 1,900 pumpkins compared to just 100 last year, so there must be some excitement about pumpkins. And the local MP, Craig Tracy, he went and said that he'll be bringing his dog to their Santa Paws Day. What on earth is a Santa Paws Day? <laughs> These people and their pets, say. Eh? What's in the news? Well, Tom Ogren from California was lead speaker at the recent Barcham's Trees Symposium. Tom is one of the uh, leading authorities in the field of allergenic plants. Sorry about that, yeah. You know, those people who have hay fever and things have allergies to plants and their impact on people. He devised what is called the OPALS, O-P-A-L-S, Ogren Plant Allergy Scale, now used by the likes of the American Lung Association. His scale measures the allergy potential of all garden plants uh, within a range from 1 to 10. For example, the red-leaved Acer rubrum autumn glow is very low, rated number 1, while the bottle brush, Calistemon, is rated number 9. You can get more information on this in Tom's book, Safe Sex in the Garden. Female trees, of course, produce no pollen, so uh, there isn't an allergy problem for hay fever sufferers with the female plants. There's also a lot of worry about glyphosate, the uh, weed killer that is very widely used right around the Western world. And the European Commission has dropped its proposal for a 10-year licence extension for glyphosate, after the European Parliament called for the weed killer to be phased out in the next five years. If you happen to have some Japanese knotweed in the garden, well then I suggest you get it treated right away before they take away what is our best means of control. Actually, if you can cut the knotweed off, so it's got about 6 or 12 inches at this time of the year, and pour a little weed killer into those hollow stems, it goes right down and knocks out the root. Best of all, some of that weed killer sits there and when the plant starts to grow again in the spring, it gets a second whammy. Pretty useful stuff if you've got that very difficult weed. My timely tip for the week is about leaves. You know, there's masses of them, isn't there, swilling about in the wind? But they're like gold dust if you can gather them up and rot them down into leaf mould. The best bet, if you've got space enough, is to make a bin with four posts and some chicken wire around it at about a metre cube. And then just keep stuffing the leaves in wet. They don't heat up like other garden compost. It's fungus and enzymes that rots them down. And they'll take two years or so in most cases. But boy... At the end of that period, you have some of the most beautiful, crumbly leaf mould. Perfect to uh, improve soil, to mix a bit in composts and to use as a mulch. I'm very pleased to introduce my guest today. Anthony Andrews, we first met oh, back in the 60s, I think, when he was managing director of Hearst Gunson Cooper Tabor. And no, that's not a lot of solicitors, it, it's a combination of Essex seed firms. Have I got that right, Anthony?
1: That's right, yes, it was all formed together in uh, 1961.
0: And Gunson were the first electronic sorting company, weren't they? They... Yes, Gunson was
1: really the holding company, although the holding company was called Agricultural Holdings, but the actual wholesale seed company was RW Gunson Seeds Limited, and after all they created a machinery division which produced uh, electronic colour sorters to sort discoloured peas when There was no hand labour left because it all gone in the wartime.
0: But how did you get into the sea trade first of all? I mean, you were managing director when I met you. So how did you you start?
1: I'm I'm a Harrow boy. I lived in, born in Harrow in Middlesex, and my parents sent me to a public school, not the Harrow school. And I abused my schooling. So at 16, father said, "That's it. You've got to find a job." I'd been interested in farming, but realised there was no way I could get into farming. And one of my colleagues at school had joined a company called Cooper Tabor, which we subsequently bought, but he was no longer there. And our careers master found me, this company, R.W. Gunson Seeds in London, in the city, a wholesale seed merchant, and I joined them in 1954 as a
0: trainee. And so what did a trainee do? I mean, you were coffee boy, were you?
1: Well, I was I actually went in the, because we were importing and exporting as well as selling in the UK, I Spent my first six to nine months in the shipping office, learning all about shipping, which was a good grounding because it not only taught you a lot of geography, but it taught you about the, the um, difficulties sometimes in getting seeds in and out and the documentation. Uh, and that that started in May 1954 at the great sum of three pounds a week plus twelve and sixpence a week for luncheon vouchers, and that <laughs> brought me eight, a lunch in the Mecca restaurant for two and sixpence a two-course lunch every day.
0: Three pounds a week, as yep. a good starting point. I paid point.
1: a season ticket and board and lodgings to my parents. Out of that three pounds? Yep.
0: Goodness, yeah, those were the days. They eh? were. Were you a national serviceman?
1: Yes, after two years I went and did national service. Uh, I became a cream boy, I joined the RAF. And when I came out of there I progressed to the sample room of the company because a lot of things were bought visually. You, didn't, you actually had to learn what good seed looked like, the colour of seed, the different types of seed. And then from the sample room I progressed into initially trading on the London Corn Exchange where we would buy and sell seeds and certainly things in those days before entry into Europe and therefore there was a lot of seeds were not certified. We'd buy red clover seed and we'd buy it by just looking at the sample and making a bid on the sample. One and sixpence a pound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean you would know um, the the sources of them, would you? Um,
1: Oh yes, they were coming from from lots of uh, UK small corn merchants who come on the market and subsequently when i progressed and the company got bigger we bought a company up in chester called gartens and i have one of their stock books which goes back to 1937 in copperplate writing and there's in there many many of the little country merchants we've dealt with who sadly no longer exist
0: no because at the time that you and i first became acquainted all of those agricultural merchants were merging weren't they
1: that's right they were merging we had one or two major groups um be created, I think one group had 27 members, and then those companies grew and grew and grew and then imploded and no longer, no longer about.
0: I mean, there were, there were, I think, something like 20 seed companies in Essex alone when yes, I first yeah. I started. Mean,
1: in, I think in Calverdon, where we, where we then relocated to in 1961, we relocated to Withham in Essex, that was the headquarters and the huge warehouse complex, and then we had our trial grounds at Kelvedon but in Whitham and Kelvin there was at least five, if not six Amazing. Mainly because the climate in that area for seed growing, um, which then, funnily enough, history repeats itself, because when I got involved in the former eastern Germany, there was an area there which had ideal weather for seed growing, in Erfurt, in the Thuringia region.
0: Well, yes, you just sort of slipped that in quietly. When did you first start trading with uh, eastern Europe? Well, the company,
1: because the Gunsons was owned by three Hungarians who had come out of Hungary before the war, they had a lot of Eastern European contacts, so really straight after the war, when I joined them in 1954, they were already selling seed into Eastern Europe, which had no seed at all, and being paid in cement and other items, they were prepared to do barter. So the Eastern European connection started you know, from the very first days, and um, subsequently built quite strongly. We, we had big connections in Hungary, we had a lot of pea seed grown in Hungary, um, in East Germany we had flower seed grown and then we would import grasses and East Germany agricultural seeds. They produced to the European quality standards very good varieties.
0: But how on earth would you barter? I mean did you have some UK cement that you sort of...
1: No, no, what? we bought, we had East German cement in selling English seed. Oh right. Yeah, so when we sold seed that's when we got the bartering. Oh I see, yes. We had to take a lot of their sugar beet and fodder beet seed which finished up unfortunately being sold ground up for animal feed it wasn't suitable but at the time the deal was done it was a worthwhile deal.
0: Yeah because you were kind enough to take me to uh, Leipzig and Dresden.
1: I That's mean. right the, the Leipzig had a, a trade fair in the days of GDR every March and September and you came over on one trip and we got permission to leave Leipzig and we were driven across to Dresden to see the then breeding station which became of course was the was the home of the company Elsner PAC which We didn't realise in those days it was then VEB, people's own seed and plant industry, where we saw pelargoniums and I think croissants, which you recognised in the West.
0: And one experience that was, if I remember correctly, we were put out into digs, there weren't hotels, and, and, and you took the landlady... Was it soap and toilet paper?
1: Yes, we'd, we'd, you took things like soap and toilet paper. Or they actually came in with our West German agent. We had a West German agent who looked after our... We had a, every... For the Leipzig Fair, we had a stand for a week, and I only went out for a couple of days. But he would make sure they had all the modern things they couldn't get in GDR. And I'd take out borrow pens and calculators and things like this. Totally illegal, of course, to take into the country, but it was a good revenue.
0: And we handed our passports in. I felt very uneasy about yeah. that. Into the local police station overnight. That's it. Yeah,
1: and they had to—they had to have a guest book, which was—we signed a guest book. But that guest book, I subsequently found, was handed to the police, and the police read every visitor's comments to make sure we were <laughs> not MI5.
0: Yeah, amazing times. It
1: was, and if you remember, on the way there, we went. Did we pass through? Um, was it with you or was it another gentleman? I might have been. We went through. Um, or oh, where the famous uh, prison was. I'm trying to think. Oh, near Nosson. Um,
0: no, I don't think that was me. No, but, no. but I do remember going into a uh, um, glasshouse nursery that was really decrepit. And they we were heating with. it with uh, m- uh, very raw peat. That's right. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, that was the brown coal, which was locally only available in GDR. And if I remember, we went to the, the Pelagonian breeding station, which was doing pelagoniums and Chrysanthemums. We also went out to Mrs Gundlach, who was the um breeder.
0: Oh yes. sure. that That's was right.
1: the very tumble down thing and they had beds, raised beds with um, oh cut flowers. Again, my memory's going, it's the lovely blue flower which we have in New Zealand. Oh. But the group, no, I know what it was. It was um, amaryllis, cut amaryllis.
0: Cut flower, yes. But, but the interesting thing about the East German cyclamen was that they were very tall stem, weren't they? Grown for cut flowers.
1: They were grown for cut flowers, yeah. um, yes. And they reckon if you cut a cross in the bottom of the stem, it lasts 14 days in, in a, a specimen vase. Yeah. And then, of course, they produced the mini-Dresden cyclamen, which was the start of the whole little mini-series we see today. But they were open pollinated, whereas the modern breeding is all hybrids.
0: Yes, all F1s. And then coming back home, uh, you were the one that introduced me to uh, uh, hunter and elker ryegrasses for lawns.
1: Yes, I remember that very clearly because it was a a BBC Gardener's World programme, which you did. And we had the lawn plots there, which we didn't think we were going to cover, and you spotted them. And I just talked you through the fact we had a new purpose-bred perennial ryegrass, which is very dwarf and fine leaves. Up to then we were using ryegrass which would be used in cattle production and um, grew very strongly, and uh, this was a revolution. I think it was one of the possibly biggest breakthroughs in the last 50 years that um, turf grasses were specifically bred for turf and not being a secondary use of something which was, in, the, as I say, in a hayfield.
0: Yeah, because in my early days, if you got um, a ryegrass to sow a lawn crumbs it was up around your ankles and even your knees before you blinked
1: i remember on that particular day it was very good because we had it, it stood out these replicated four plots of this fine-leafed ryegrass compared to the others and i remember picking some leaves and putting on a black book that showed you the difference and it was chalk and cheese
0: yeah amazing and then of course you had the great ralph gould didn't you breeding flowers oh, yes, we
1: had dear old ralph our wonderful flower breeder who passed away in when he was in his late 70s but i mean i think when he retired finally. We had about 150 varieties selected by Ralph in commerce, and some are still there today. Most of them were open pollinated, um, and therefore they did need strong maintenance, and sadly, as the years have gone on, except for one or two companies, the maintenance is not so strong, and the thing you buy today doesn't really look like the original.
0: And if you see the word Calverton, or monarch, then very often that's one of uh, Ralph's introductions.
1: Yes, well, that, that went through both in flowers and veg, and I suppose the best-known veg would be Kelvin and Wonder Pea.
0: Yeah. I remember his wife, Molly, saying when they were newly married, he made her really cross, because when uh, he got undressed, he would hang his trousers up and all the seed would come flying out of their turnips. <laughs> <laughs> He must have done it every night by the sound of things. Yeah,
1: I have to say, in the days of turn-ups on trails, it would be quite interesting to plant what comes out your turn-ups.
0: <laughs> well, it would with Ralph, walk, you know, walking and checking, all those yes, things. Yes. I mean, that's how he found the red nigella, wasn't it? Just oh, yes. one plant.
1: That was one plant, just crop inspecting an acre, following a thunderstorm, and he just happened to walk into the field at that point and see this pink bud whipped the plant out and back to the nursery. And that was the start of the uh, Persian Rose nigella.
0: Yeah, and all the red nigellas we have, pink and red and yeah. different colours, came from that one plant right, found yeah. by Ralph. Yeah. 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 And then more recently, once you retired from the Hearst uh, Guns and Cooper Tabor and their subsequent owners, you've worked for two German companies, haven't you?
1: Yes, having uh, the wall having come down in 1989, I parted company with the then new owners of um, Hearst who had who'd gone into a sort of multinational company, and they were then looking to sell it. I thought, well, i would start to help people export to Eastern Europe where I've had some connections. It, it turned out the other way. I helped two former families businesses in former East Germany who were not communists who got their businesses back, help them re-establish their business in the UK and for one of them also in the States
0: and Canada. And people will know, particularly some of the PAC, Pelargonium breeding, isn't the one that's your namesake that's doing rather well?
1: Yes, I'm very honoured that they named one. A, a, a Scarlet is still the most popular variety in Regal, in uh, Zonal Pelargoniums. And um, they named one, they said, could they call it Anthony? And it's still their bestseller. What they didn't realise, the year they named it Anthony was exactly 50 years of me being in the industry, which I kept quiet about.
0: <laughs> the secret's out now, eh? <laughs> I mean, I, I love the story uh, that um, the late Mr. Elsner used to tell. About the, the Pelargonium Elka, Yes. He got his daughter. I think wasn't it just crossing That's what she right. thought was an impossible cross, and yep. he said just stick at it, stick at it, and after some years got one seed, which produced that beautiful variegated, very free flowering ivy leaf geranium. Yes,
1: it was. It was a sterile variety, so it shouldn't produce seed, but. Uh, he, that was the story. I remember him telling you that. It was an interesting story. He was a wonderful man. He was the third generation of William Elzner's And
0: uh, Was he third generation? Yes,
1: he was William Elsner III. Right. He um, was in the war in, in uh, the desert. as a sergeant driving one of the generals, not Rommel. The German general realized that they were going to be overrun and said, you'll be treated better as an officer, made him a lieutenant that night. And the next day he was captured and spent the rest of the war in America teaching the Americans German i didn't know that yeah that was his wartime history and it's rather nice because up here we've got um elsner did supply we now it is our local village we we put plants outside the hangar of the famous battle of britain memorial flight and there's 75 tubs each with an Antony in it and uh, when that started because mr Elsner was available and we we took the uh, crew who were demonstrating in berlin and we took them down to dresden and they presented him with one of only 250 ever-minted coins of the BBMF. And he said, you know, it was rather interesting meeting the young pilots of today, meeting an aged German who was across the other side of the war." but friendship through flowers.
0: Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah, that is one common interest, isn't it? Oh, yes. That crosses all religions and all politics, the love of growing things.
1: Oh, yes, I said that. Seeds and plants have no... no uh, political or geographical boundaries.
0: And now you're working with your local school. That's what we like, people's yes. experience.
1: Yes, we, we, I do the Garden Club every Friday, and we've been very happy. We've supplied you two years running plants to add to your Chelsea show, and we're happy to continue to do that. I mean, they were grown on the windowsill of Class 4, much the uh, concern of the, mate, the teacher in there, but we got them. <laughs>
0: No, the, well, we, we should name the school. I
1: yes, it's Edinburgh Church of England Primary School, which is near Bourne in Lincolnshire. we yeah. only a school of 107 children, but we have most enthusiastic gardeners. In fact, um, I do the gardening club there, helped by the head gardener from Grimthorpe Castle, and it's difficult to curb the enthusiasm when you say would somebody please go and get the wheelbarrow? 14 people rushed to get the wheelbarrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, keep up the good work, and, and I'm, I'm hoping to hear shortly that we have space at Chelsea, and so we'll be worrying you again. Anthony, thank you very much for sparing time with us today. What's on? Well, the garden show season's coming to an end, but we still have commercial trade exhibitions... Uh, for example, Grow Show South on the Roundstone Nurseries near Chichester will be held this week. And I go there both to uh, see and speak to the exhibitors, but more important, go out onto uh, several nurseries in that area. It's my chance to just check on uh, what poinsettias are looking like. And if there's any uh, people connected to schools listening, watch out because uh, in a week or two, We'll be running again our free poinsettias for schools. I was interested to hear on my garden centre travels that Christmas goods sales are soaring. They're almost double in the latter part of October. and One of the really good sellers apparently is called Pass the Parcel Brussels Sprout. Apparently uh, the Pass the Parcel Brussels Sprout is made of tissue crepe paper And guests take turns to unwrap this sprout as they pass it round the Christmas dinner table. Uh, And each layer has something in it. It may reveal a novelty gift, a hat or a forfeit. I don't like the sound of that very much. I'd need several glasses of wine, I think, before I got caught up with forfeits from a sprout. Thanks again to our sponsors, Sutton Seeds of Torquay, And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk